0: We all know that the coronavirus, which measures a mere 120 120 nanometers, has seized the world's attention. And our illusions of stability, our illusions of control, our illusions of knowing what comes tomorrow, our illusions of all of those things are being blown away. This infinitesimal virus has caused the World Health Organization to declare it a pandemic. COVID-19 is a pandemic, meaning it is a new disease that will affect the world. We don't know how it will affect the world, but it's already been disrupting our world. We all know this. None of us are going to be immune from this disruption. And nations are responding in different ways. Spain has ordered a nationwide lockdown. People are staying home. France, closed shops, cafes, restaurants, theaters. Italy has quarantined everybody into their homes until April 3rd. The Czech Republic, Slovakia, and the Ukraine have closed their borders to non-citizens. Belgium, Cyprus, Italy, have outlawed gatherings of any size. United States has banned travel to Europe and the UK. Universities, high schools, other stations of learning have moved their classes online or extended spring break. Some school districts have closed altogether for the time being. The National Basketball Association has suspended its season. Baseball, Major League Baseball has pushed its back 2 weeks. And that's all of you as of yesterday afternoon. I've never seen a story like this that changes not just day to day, but hour by hour. How should we as Christians respond? How should we respond? I'm I'm thinking about something deeper and more meaningful than just what should we do? right? What should we do? Some of us are at home, and that's fine. Some of us are here, and that's great. Some of you will work from home. Others of you will go to work. All of us are going to be washing our hands. But when I ask, what, how should we respond, there is only one Christian way to respond. We're going to do different things. It's going to be expressed in different ways but our response will be the same as believers in Jesus. Our response is to trust God. All of us will express that trust in different ways. But we respond as Christians in a Christian way to this disruption by trusting God. And you might say that sounds like a tired cliché. As this coronavirus invades and disrupts our lives, don't you come up, can't you come up with anything better than that than just Trust God, that's what Christians say when they don't know what to say. Psalm 62 says something a little more in-depth. The message of Psalm 62 can be summarized in three words. Trust God alone. Trust God alone. You see, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you trust God. You trust God, you put your faith in Him. But our problem, our challenge in times like this, when we have our lives disrupted, is that we see we trust God and other things too. We trust God and a stable job. We trust God and the savings or our 401k. We trust God in our health. We trust God in our stability. We trust God in our daily routines. We trust God in the plans that we have. We trust God in our expectations for tomorrow. We trust God and the expectation of order and control. And when those things are blown away, It can be a bit destabilizing. Today we want to reset ourselves as believers in Jesus. We want to let the word of God speak to us this morning. It's going to say this, trust God alone. One pastor from the 20th century said, this psalm, Psalm 62, is the perfect song for those who feel threatened we might entitle our message this morning a song for the threatened let's listen together as we hear this song god's word says to the choir master according to jeduthun psalm of david for god alone my soul waits in silence from him comes my salvation In silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are, all, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for help this morning. Lord, not just for us. Lord, I pray for help for our nation. Lord, I pray for those here who, or those watching who are taking a brief break to let you address them. And I pray that despite my very, my many limitations and vulnerabilities, I pray that I would open up God's word. I don't have fancy words or impressive rhetoric. I don't have anything to offer except your word. And I pray that your word would be, you would help me to preach it clearly. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower us to all hear, to all listen, to all be comforted, Lord. But our world is is uncertain. That's always true, but it's especially obvious today pray that we would look away from the uncertainty of the times we live in and look to you, our certain God. In your name we pray. Amen. Trust God alone. Trust God alone. How do we trust God alone? Well, first, we review or remember what we know about God, and that's going to take up the majority of our sermon this morning. We review what we already know about God and we can see this from verses 1 through 10. David sets the tone. To be able to listen to God, he needs to push out the other voices. Verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence. This is not a silence where he does not address God. It's not a silence where he is, he is sort of sitting there quietly trying to empty his mind this is a silence of peace. He pushes out the noise. You see, when trouble disrupts our lives, our souls can be a seething, chattering cauldron of fear, anxiety, anger, and angst. And it can be so noisy. And you can hear voices like, What if I get sick? What if my parents get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if I lose my job? How will I protect my kids? What if I don't get my hours? What's going to happen to my retirement? David is reminding himself that he needs to push out those voices, silence himself to be able to review what he knows to be true about God. David silences the noise in his head to focus his attention on God. If we do not do that, we will not be able to review effectively what we know to be true about God. You can't focus on God when you have all the noise going on inside. Once he does that, he reviews what he knows to be true about God. What David reviews to be true for him is also true for us. Here's what he says about God. From him, the second half of verse 1, comes my salvation. He knows he doesn't save himself. He knows he can't rely on himself. He's remembering, oh yeah, from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Notice how he stacks up imagery here to describe what he knows to be true about his God. My rock, my salvation, my fortress. And notice the repetition of my. You see this Four times, right? My salvation, my rock, my salvation, my fortress. You see, even though God is the transcendent one far above us, living in unapproachable light, even though he is the God who speaks and the nations quake, he also is personal. David can say, You are my salvation. You are my rock. You are my fortress. And we can too. We can review, one of the things we can review about our God is that we know him personally, and he knows us personally. He's not so preoccupied with the universe that he forgets about us and we can personalize his promises. This is exactly what David's doing. He's not content with knowing that God saves in general or that God in general is a rock or that God delivers his people in general, or that he is generally a safe place or a fortress. But he, he takes the next step and he says, much more than that, my this God is my God. He is the one who saves me out of my trouble. He is the one who is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. It's not just theoretical. This is true for him and this is true for you too. See, to trust God and God alone, you must see who he is. He's not just the God who saves. He's the God who saved you. He's not just the God who stands as a rock. He's your rock. He's not just a fortress. He's your fortress. David says, my, my, my. And you must too. How do you trust God and God alone? Remember remember, rehearse, recall what we know about God and what we know about God and what he's done for us. He's our rock. Having a rock, a rock is one of the most common symbols for God in the Old Testament. A rock is immovable. It's permanent. A rock is not blown around like dead leaves. Rocks stand strong in the face of fire and rain, wind, Heat and floods, God is your rock. God is also your fortress. He's a place you can go for protection from enemies of all kinds. The idea here is a mountain stronghold up and away and out of the reach of all enemies, protecting and preserving any who come to this fortress, even though enemies stalk after Him, David, takes refuge in the fortress that is God. See, people, we need to remember God is our rock. He is the only immovable thing in our lives. He is unchanging. He is permanent. He is the beginning. He is the end. He does not learn. He is always the same. We can build on Him. We can take our lives and plant them on Him because He is our rock even in uncertain and threatening time. He's our fortress. He is who we can go to for protection. He is the one that we can go to knowing that we will be protected. Notice the effect. Verse 2, He alone, David says, is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Now, I did not expect to read that. I would not expect to read that. I shall not be greatly shaken. He doesn't say, I shall not be shaken. He says, I shall not be greatly shaken, meaning he'll feel some of the tremors and troubles. That is true to life. Those who trust God and God alone, that doesn't mean that they're impervious. To the things going around going going on around them. We're gonna feel vibrations, but the vibrations of life are not such as to tear us apart. And we don't need to it's not as if Christians need to pretend that somehow we're above all the trouble. It's not true. We're going to feel the troubles, we're going to feel the threats, and we're going to feel at times some shaking. But David is quick to add that he will not be greatly shaken. COVID-19, the coronavirus, is a shaking of sorts. It's a shaking. And we're going to feel it. We already have. It's disrupting things. Chances are your work looks different next week. Chances are if you have children, that looks different where they go during the day. And David says, we will not be greatly shaken. As virulent as this viral enemy is, it cannot threaten our standing with God. That's why he says this. David didn't face the threats of a virus, but of enemies who wanted to push him over. And We may feel that. Notice the image he uses in verse 3. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? You see this picture of a fence barely standing. And David says, that's what I feel like. I feel like all of my enemies are going to push me over. And that may be what you feel like as you think about the coronavirus. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid. And you say, I feel greatly shaken. See, it's in those moments we need to look and remember who God is and what He says, what He says about Himself. So what else can we see? Look at verse 5. It kind of begins to repeat all that has come before. And David says this again: For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Again. Push out the noise. The enemies are coming. The virus is threatening. There are all kinds of, there's all kinds of uncertainty. Wait in silence. My hope is from him. He, is, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Did you notice the difference between verse 2? Verse 2 says, I shall not be greatly shaken. Verse 6 says, I shall not be shaken shaken. What does that mean? His confidence is rising. He realizes that his enemies may menace and bully. They may screech and scream. They may grab, add clutch at him, but they're not able to shake him free from his God. And that's what we must see here. When we think about our security with god when we think about god as our rock and our salvation our fortress we can take confidence in this we will not be shaken any who are genuine believers in jesus even though you might not have the confidence that the text here wants you to have you can look and say as a christian i know that i cannot be shaken i shall not be shaken the things that matter cannot be, taken away from, cannot be taken away by the coronavirus or any other threat that's out there. The virus cannot remove God and his, he, he, he doesn't cease to be a rock for you because of this virus. He doesn't cease to be a protection. But you know, the problem we have is that we trust in God and other things instead of God alone. And as we do that, we rob ourselves of the confidence we could have when we trust in God and something else. But we will not be shaken. This does not mean that we have a special immunity because we have the Spirit of God within us. That's not what this means. This doesn't mean that none of us will have financial troubles. That's not what this means. This doesn't mean that we won't face things that are confusing and uncertain. That's not what this means either. What does it mean? It means that we cannot be shaken out of the grip of our God. He will always be our salvation. He will always be our rock. He will always be our fortress. Our job, our savings, our health, our stability, our routines, our plans, our expectations will never be. We combat fear by trusting God alone. And you can see David then progresses from being confident that He will not be shaken from the grip of his God to calling others to come alongside him and trust in the Lord. Look at verse 8. Trust in him. That's the Lord. At all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So he stops talking just to himself and he opens up the conversation to everyone else and says, whoever you are, trust the Lord at all times. In times of stability, trust the Lord. In times of uncertainty, trust the Lord. In times of plenty, trust the Lord. In times of lack, trust the Lord. In times of, of relative stability, trust the Lord. In times of instability, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Now let me tell you this, all of us are going to trust the Lord differently. See. We we must all respond as believers, we respond as believers to trust in God alone, but that doesn't mean we're going to make the same decisions about everything in this coronavirus trial. And We need to fight not to be judgmental. It's very easy if you're maybe at home on the live stream thinking, why are all those people there? I don't think they should be there. That's not our call. Our call is to call each other to trust in Him at all times. That's going to look different for other people. There's maybe if you're here and you're thinking, why aren't those people here with us? That's not our decision. We cannot be judgmental when it comes to other people. We can call everyone to trust in him at all times, knowing that everyone has to make their own decision before God. We must make sure that in times like this, in times of confusion, that we don't allow some kind of wedge to be put in between people. We must not tell people what it looks like to trust God it's going to look different from person to person everyone will approach this disruption differently those of us here we must not judge those who are not those who are not here you must not judge those who are listen we're united together in Christ and we will not have a uniform, uniform response to this virus we're not all going to do the same thing we will have a uniform response we will trust God and that will look different. But I'll tell you this. People around us will be afraid. And fear always spreads faster than confidence. I saw that this week. I saw that Friday. For whatever random reason, I went to Costco. <laughs> it took me forever to find a park. So I went to Costco because we didn't have dog, well, we needed extra dog food. So, I go to Costco, and it is packed beyond the gills. I mean, it is packed. And when you walk in, normally, there's sort of a buzz about it. There's nobody giving away samples there today, that day. Nobody's saying, hey, come try out this, you know, bacon-wrapped Gouda or whatever. There's nothing except people walking around with big eyes. There's a sense of uneasiness. There's a sense of... Man, everybody here is unnerved, and they're filling carts, and they're buying stuff, and you could see them carrying the fear around in their eyes. I found out they're out of dog food, but I got coffee, just in case, and decided which dog we would eat if things went bad. <laughs> but as I stood in line, and the line went back, yard, I mean, two or three hundred yards it felt like as I stood in line <clears throat> the, the the lady in front of me was they were talking and one of the employees came up and she said and and said something that I didn't hear but the lady went <gasps> and everybody's heads went like that. And there was a stillness in the hot dog aisle. And I said, what happened? And she said, they closed the store, and the police are outside. And people are like, oh, my. And you could feel the uneasiness and the panic kind of ripple all out beyond. It turned out it was the store was just beyond capacity. It was closed. When I walked out, there's 300 people standing outside trying to get in. and it's a reminder fear goes faster than confidence and Costco and its hours must not be our rock or our fortress we're gonna see things like this we're gonna see things that we thought man I did not think this would ever happen happen but our confidence must not be in the hours Costco keeps whether they have dog food or toilet paper Our confidence comes from trusting in God alone. This isn't living in unreality. I can guarantee you that there are less infections from the coronavirus than there are opinions about the coronavirus. Some of you might think the risks are overblown. Some of you might think the fear is justified. Some of you might be angry that the shelves are empty. Some of you might be afraid that the shelves are empty. But as Christians, what people need to hear is not our fear. It's not our anger. It's about our God. We Christians should not expect the world to act like believers. That's for us. That's for us. In times like this, believers show themselves to be followers of Jesus by how they act. We ought not to expect the world around us not to hoard. We ought not to expect the world around us to share. We ought not to expect that. That's for us. We ought not to be surprised when people express anger or fear. But as Christians, we must put our hope and trust in God and God alone. We we. We are not, the the world doesn't need to hear our social commentary. The world doesn't need to hear our fears or our anger. The world needs something different from us. In our community, what the world needs to see is a people who trust in their God even when times like this come upon us. Tozer said it like this, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. Church. Our world does not need to hear our social commentary. Our world needs to hear of our rock and our salvation. Our community does not need to see us devolve into a political debate. Our community needs needs to see us trusting in our fortress and our salvation. Our community does not need to see us judge one another, but our community needs to see our quiet confidence in the rock and our salvation. Our community doesn't need our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook grants. It needs our love and our service. And you know what? We need that too. Church, we have nothing to fear. Nothing. Why? Because we're strong? No. Because we're special? No. Because we obey well and we know that we will be blessed? A thousand times no. Why? Why do we have nothing to fear? We have nothing to fear because God is our rock and our salvation god is our refuge god is our fortress we trust god alone and we're going to wash our hands and we're going to pray for a vaccine and we're probably going to quarantine ourselves and distance ourselves socially We're going to trust God and help others. We're going to call each other to trust in Him at all times, to pour out our hearts before Him, because God is a refuge for us. That's what we know about God. Second thought this morning is that we need to review who God is. It'll be very brief. We need to review who God is, and that's in verses 11 and 12. Look at how David describes God. He actually addresses God. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, verse 11, that power belongs to God. And and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Now that is a combination that we can get behind. In our world, the powerful are not the loving, and the loving are not the powerful, But in this reality, in the reality that we have here in the Scriptures, in Psalm 62, we see that our God is the the rock and fortress that we can come to on a regular basis, and He is loving and powerful. One writer says, Power without love is brutality, and love without power is weakness. Our God is neither. Neither. Our God is strong. Strength without love would be nice but inept. Strong, being strong without, without love, it makes him a, would make him a tyrant. But we can trust in God alone. We can trust in him. We can trust in him, not just because David says we can trust in him. We can. The scriptures say that. We can trust in him because of what we see here in Psalm 62 and also what we see as God interacted with Jesus Christ. As Jesus hung dying, God had the strength to keep him there and the love to let him die so that we might be able to rely on his strength and know his love. The power and love of God is best seen in the life of God and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up glory and set aside power to show love to rebels. Jesus showed his strength by bursting the bonds of death for all of his followers. Jesus shows his love by submitting to death in the first place. We can look and say, my rock and my fortress and my salvation are found in him because he paid for my sin. Because in that day, Jesus had no fortress to to rely on, no rock to stand on. He was rejected. And this is why we can call on everyone from everywhere to trust in him at all times. Trust in him at all times. We're going to have an opportunity. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how tomorrow is going to unfold. This week has been crazy. This story has changed hour to hour. And I would beg for you to pray for wisdom to know how to process these days. You can know that whatever we do, we will do with as much wisdom and as much prayer as we can. But you are going to have opportunity to talk to people about Jesus and show them with your words and your life That they can trust in him too. These days might be confusing. But. But. We can trust God alone. Two thoughts as we close. Listen. You will be angry. Or you will be afraid. If you give more attention. To the news than you do. To what you know about God. Give more attention to what you know about God than the news. Otherwise, you will be angry. You will be afraid. You will be wrapped up. And how can people be so dumb? Or this is such an overreaction. Or, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Listen, our attention must be riveted on who God is from the scriptures and keep an eye on the news to know what we're supposed to do. But we are guided by the scriptures, We're guided by who God is. God is the one we can trust in and him alone. He is our only rock and salvation. He is our fortress. We shall not be shaken. Personalize this. He is your rock and salvation. You will not be shaken. Take time this week to remind yourself that your hope comes only from him and not the news. He alone is your rock. He will do what's best for you. He will not treat you as your sins deserve. He is immovable. He will protect you in the ways you need to be protected. That is a promise. That does not mean that you will be healed if you get sick, or that you won't get sick. It does not mean that your pantry will always be full, or that the economy might not suffer or that your kids might not get sick, or your parents might not get sick. This does not mean the government will respond in the way we think is best. This does not mean that there, is, there will be sufficient medical care. This does not mean that our life will be trouble-free. It does mean that he will continue to be our rock and our salvation, our fortress, and we will not be shaken. These days will be days where we can see God move in our lives. If you're tempted to fear, oh my goodness, what can happen? Or anger, oh my goodness, how is this happening? Look away from those things. Look away from the news for a while and remind yourself that God is your salvation. God is your rock. God is your fortress. God is your refuge. So may we be a people who rivet our attention on the scriptures and not the news. May we also Give attention to who God is and serve others. This is an opportunity for us. This is an opportunity to serve our community and to serve this community. So where you're aware of needs in the community, in this community here, let others know. Try to meet them. If you're aware of community needs, things that we can all help with, let us all know. Let's be wise. Martin Luther had a friend who asked, can I flee, can I run away? from the town I live in because the black plague has come to that town. They didn't know that it was spread by fleas. And so he said, can I run? And Luther writes him this. He says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Here's what I'm going to do, Luther says. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus, perchance, inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. and I have done what he has expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, However, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. We can help those without fear who need help. We can comfort ourselves by the truth that we know from the scriptures. Pray for us as a leadership as we think about what to do, services and those kinds of things, I can rest, rest assured we will not make decisions of fear. We will not make decisions out of some kind of knee-jerk. We're going to make decisions based on what we believe the Lord is leading us to do and what we think is best. We want to trust in God alone together. As we're aware of needs, we'll let you know. Watch your inbox. Watch social media. We will communicate and communicate and communicate. One thing we're going to keep hammering the whole time is that we can trust in God and God alone. Not that this resolves in a way that makes sense. Not that the economy doesn't have trouble, not in our jobs, not in our savings, not in our health or stability or routines or plans or expectations of tomorrow. We trust in God alone. Alone. Not God and something else, but God alone. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, we are facing days that are difficult. We're facing days that are uncertain. We're facing days that are quite frankly for many of us unprecedented. I pray for wisdom to know what to do, but even more than wisdom, I pray that you would help us to take our stand on you, our rock, our fortress, our refuge. I pray, Lord, that you would help you would find us loving and serving others you would find us leaning in toward you that you would find us to be a people who are working for the good both of this church community and the community around us lord may we be a light to each other and a light to the world lord i pray that you would help us not to be afraid lord the media and others will communicate things that could make us be afraid. I pray that you would help us to push aside fear and trust in you alone, knowing that you will protect us and you will be our fortress in every way that matters. I pray that you would help us not be angry, Lord. Help us to, be, to avoid self-righteousness, Lord. But instead, I pray that you would help us to be a people that silences the noise in our heads, and reviews what we know to be true about you. You are our rock and our salvation. You are our fortress. You are loving, and you are strong. And you are my God. I pray that all of us would personalize that today, and this week, that we would be able to say, you are my salvation. You are my rock. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.